0: Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 81. Before we get into today's questions, big thanks to our sponsors Precision Hydration. Precision Hydration make electrolyte products that help you individualize your electrolyte intake to replace the electrolytes that you lose, any particular sodium that you lose through sweating, because everybody loses uh, different amounts of sodium, both because of the difference in sweat rates, so how much uh, you actually lose in terms of the fluid, but also the concentration of sodium within your sweat. So if you're somebody who has both a high sweat rate and a high sweat sodium content, then you probably need to replace your electrolytes at least your sodium at least when you're going for longer bigger training sessions with some intensity to them you can check out precision hydration's products and take a free online sweat test to get an estimate for your sweat sodium content on precisionhydration.com and get 15 percent off your order with the promo code that 15 show one five and big thanks to roca Roka is the world leading manufacturer of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses. You can find all of their products on Roca.com and go to rocacom forward slash TTS and on that page you'll get a 20% discount code that you can use on any Roca products. Just a quick note finally before the questions A couple of days ago by the time that you hear this if you listen when the episode is released I finally published the beginner Ironman training plan that uh, I have been promising for a long time and it is finally ready. It took me a lot longer than expected but uh, at least I'm very very happy with how it turned out in the end so I'm happy that I let it take the time it took and normally i would uh, do a launch period of two weeks where it's available for 60 percent lower than what the normal price will be uh, this time around with uh, all the uncertainty and races not happening swimming not happening etc uh, that uh, launch period will be extended until the end of may so listen to the end of the episode for more details around that but now for the questions for today the first one is from Colum in cork ireland who writes Hi Michael, I am a 43-year-old participant athlete who is enjoying uh, consistency and regular training for the first time since my introduction to triathlon in the past 18 months. My aim is to complete my first Ironman this year and getting over the finish line in reasonable condition is the main goal. My best marathon time is uh, four hours and my half is about one hour 15 minutes. My question is, in many training plans, In the phase leading up to the event, I see that workouts are structured to reflect the goal race pace. For example, uh, for full distance Ironman, many running workouts are at race pace. In my case, and considering my marathon time, I have to expect that my run off the bike would be 4 hours, 45 minutes to 5 hours, all going well. This would be very close to fast walking pace and really very slow, but understandable after the bike is this really what I should be doing in training or should I just stick with a slow comfortable zone two running for those longer run for those longer runs thank you the show is excellent all right Uh, this is a really great question and I do agree with you completely column that this is a potential issue in many training plans and just in general in articles and workouts that you see on perhaps social media etc and the problem is that it all comes down to the question who is this plan or this workout for because for a very fast Ironman athlete running at race pace well it isn't going to be incredibly fast but it definitely will not be easy uh, so so that's a whole different ball game to somebody who is more at the back of the pack who will be in the situation that you describe that the realistic race pace is going to be much slower than than you actually are capable of running in training. That's just the name of the game really. Uh, so uh so, so that's that's the question that you have to ask as a user of a training plan or a workout, but also that training plan and workout creators, coaches need to consider when they are creating those workouts and plans. If a training plan or an, an article with workouts or whatever it is is directed specifically to beginners or generally to athletes that will be more on the back of the back of the pack or even just kind of the 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 lower half of the field there really isn't much fast running going on there in that situation in my opinion prescribing race pace runs is in the best case scenario it's redundant and in the worst case scenario it can be completely counterproductive and uh, to explain that the best case scenario it's being completely redundant is because uh, the best case scenario would be that you actually manage to to race in zone two, which is generally what most people that are not at the quite far up front at the field will be doing in the Ironman. Uh, so that's just you have to be realistic about that. Uh, so in that situation, why would we call it a race phase workout? We might just as well call it a zone two workout, just like you probably have been doing all the way through your base training season if the pace doesn't change why does the name or the workout needs to cha- need to change it just causes more confusion and uh, the worst case scenario it being counterproductive is that for some athletes they might actually go the way that uh, you ask about in your question which obviously you can read between the lines, and I, I can understand that this is not the way that you uh, think that you should be going. So you are absolutely correct with that. You should not be doing those long runs at that very slow shuffle that re- realistically you might be doing in your race, because that's not going to be that's going to be way less beneficial than actually doing those long runs at your normal zone two comfortable pace that you have been doing those endurance runs for. Uh, but uh, for some athletes, they might not even Stop to think about that—that that might not be the ideal thing—and and actually go at that very slow pace. Or another option is that you hear the word race pace and you don't stop to think about well, race pace for the Ironman is really slow, and you end up just racing the workouts themselves. So, uh, so there are many reasons that I think that for the specific demographic for whom this might be a problem, uh, it's uh, probably better for many reasons to to not really think too much about race pace when it comes to training for the Ironman specifically this is of course very different for different distances but here we're talking about the Ironman so what I prescribe to athletes that are are at a similar level to you and and even athletes that are maybe quite a bit faster but still at the sort of lower half of the field and this is actually the same thing that I do in the new beginner Ironman training plan it's as you say simply zone 2 running for those long runs so that goes for the long runs but also for the brick runs that you might be doing after some uh, some of the longer bike rides that you'll be doing in the plan so then you'll just be going out at uh, at a steady zone 2 run again after the bike because that's what you will be doing in the ironman it's not about trying to run hard off the bike it's actually about trying to hold yourself back into zone 2 uh, but not going uh, not going slower not going faster just keeping that steady nice and comfortable zone two and uh, and finding that rhythm so that's what i do it's very simple uh, it's uh, they're called endurance runs in my terminology generally or zone uh, two run or easy easy aerobic run or things to that effect a bit depending on who i write the the plan for and uh, who it is that i'm coaching but uh, that that is what i do and uh, race pace is not something that i really use there are a couple of bike workouts actually in the plan that has the word words race pace in them but for the running it's not present really in, in any of those workouts one thing that i want to point out is that even though you think that your your race pace might be slower than some two like a fast walk essentially That might be true, and uh, realistically, for a lot of the field uh, standing on the start line, it, it is going to be true. But I think that for most in your people in your position, athletes in your position, I would still consider zone two to be your target race pace. It doesn't mean that it's going to be your race pace on race day, actually, but take that as your as your target race pace. And the advantage of doing that is that then. You'll just get into the uh, the mental mindset that actually the large majority of training that you're doing, which is going to be sent to training for any athlete, really, the large majority of training that you're doing for the Ironman is actually race specific training already. Just because it's it isn't called race pace, it doesn't mean that it isn't. So that's something that is quite unique about the Ironman and and actually pretty cool that that for the majority of athletes at the in the second second half second 50 percent of the field or so at least the large majority of training is going to be done at race pace so you don't have to feel that your you don't have to feel that lack of confidence that somebody might feel for racing a sprint distance if they feel that they have have a lack of race pace work or an olympic distance or something like that that's a completely different thing for the ironman you will never be lacking that race specificity so I guess to sum up, uh, I don't think there's uh, a need to target race race specificity in terms of pace and power uh, any more specifically than the zone two work you're already doing as part of your normal day-to-day training. I do think that other aspects of specificity should be practiced if possible. So that would be things like terrain, like if your uh, race is on a hilly uh, course for the bike, then definitely that's something that you should practice environmental conditions if possible if you are going to raise in the heat then maybe some training in the heat if possible and of course nutrition and hydration are some other aspects to that should be specific but in terms of pace and power you already do a lot of that All right, that's it for uh, the question from Colm. Thank you for that. And uh, the next question is from Mario. And I forgot to write down where Mario is from. I believe that Mario is from Italy, but I may be wrong there. Sorry about that, Mario. Either way, uh, he writes, Hello, Michael. Uh, What I wonder is why we always measure progress with functional threshold power or FTP tests, since our races are not one-hour time trials. For longer races, I think it would make more sense to use heart rate. You know that you have to run a marathon after the bike in an Ironman, for example. And you know that you would be able to do this when you keep your heart rate at exactly the range you have figured out in all your training and testing. Let's say that I ideally race an Ironman at a certain heart rate XYZ. Why not test at heart rate XYZ or test at power ABC and see if my heart rate has dropped? This might tell me more about how I'm going to perform in the race and the testing doesn't mean killing myself every time. I'm very interested to hear uh, how you think about this. Keep up the great info. Thanks, Mario. All right, thank you for your question, Mario. I don't think that there's one test to rule all tests by any means, so uh, I'm not necessarily going to say that that test is better or it's worse i'm going to give you some thoughts around which situations which they are useful in and what the advantages and drawbacks of each are because this is at the end of the day very context dependent ftp tests first of all um, whether we're talking about a one hour time trial or even a 20 minute time trial uh, they are a great way to measure progress whether you're training for an ironman or a sprint distance race It's not everything that's correct. You can improve your FTP, but still not race as well as you did maybe in your last Ironman, because there are so many things that go into an Ironman or any race, really, any triathlon race. Uh, But if you improve your FTP through the training that you have done for a longer race, then it is highly, highly likely that that improvement is uh, almost entirely an improvement in aerobic endurance, which means that you are in a position to race faster in any endurance event. So again, it's not doesn't mean that uh, it's not a causal rela- relationship that you go f- faster in your FTP test, you're going to go faster in your Ironman or Half Ironman, but it means that you have a higher probability of going faster because you have improved your aerobic endurance. And um, I did shorten your email a bit, it was quite long, but you did write in there somewhere that you train based on percentages of ftp and that is another big advantage that the ftp test has over over using something like the race heart rate fixed heart rate test that you suggest because ftp can act as a great anchor point for training prescription and zones that's not to say that the test that you suggest cannot be used as an anchor point and establishing zones but it's just a lot more unconventional, and you would have to probably go through a lot more trial and error to figure out how that test relates to ideal intensity prescriptions for workouts and ideal training zone uh, training zone calculations and so on uh, so so that's another advantage that the FTP test has on the other hand it's definitely not the best test or even it's not a good test at all for establishing or verifying a race plan i don't really think that the percentages of ftp that we see on the internet are that good a way to establish your race plan Uh, so uh, so that's that's a drawback of it compared to some some other tests Uh, but uh, coming back to that point about using to to wrap up that thread of thought The fact that you can use it as an anchor point for training and you can establish training intensities and training zones, that means that it's a great test that allows you to get the most out of your training so that you can stand on the start line as fit as possible. But uh, testing your power at a given heart rate, uh, so for example your race heart rate as you suggest, or the other way around, seeing what your heart rate is at a given power, those are also good tests in specific contexts. The advantage of them is the race specificity as you mentioned that if you know what sort of heart rate you can race at that will give you a very good idea of what your race power will be much better than using a certain arbitrary percentage point of FTP. Now the downside here is that it's not necessarily that easy to know what heart rate you'll be racing at. For example you probably need to have done done quite a few races to really have a great idea that okay this is really the narrow heart rate range that i'm always in but even then if you go to race in a very different set of environmental conditions that in particular can have a massive impact on heart rate and in that situation all the other all the planning you've done basically goes out the window unless you have planned based on data points previous races you've done in similar environmental conditions but uh, if you've always raced in temperate conditions and now you're going to a hot race your heart rate is almost certainly going to be quite a lot higher even though your power might be the same or lower than before so it's not a perfect test but it is a good test and especially when you can control those uh, specific variables around environmental conditions and if you know that your heart rate tends to be stable uh, because you've done quite a few races so you can verify that they always fall within within a certain fairly narrow range as i said before uh, the downside of the test is that it's not the best test to anchor training around in terms of intensity targets or training zones and in addition i don't think it's a great test in terms of the general measuring whether you've progressed or not it's okay it can be used but i would say that it is a lot more prone to error and less sensitive to distinguish improvements you made or uh, worst case scenario impairments than an all-out time trial because adding heart rate as a second variable to the mix that just means that there is one more source of uncertainty. So even if your heart rate due to -to day-to-day variability is two to three beats per minute higher or lower than it normally is that can basically throw off your results or conclusions from the test because there's that narrow and narrow margin basically. So I would say that it's not an either or proposition. You don't have to put the two against each other. Use each when it makes sense to do them. Use the FTP test to anchor your training around, get your intensity targets, get your training zones. Use the fixed heart rate uh, heart rate test to assess what your target race power might be. Uh so those those would be the main takeaways for me. Uh personally in my coaching, I uh, do actually like to establish a, a race plan not by way of uh, using a fixed heart rate test but actually by using key workouts so it's not necessarily a test but it's it's a key workout that we can use to help in planning uh, a race strategy so for the ironman for example an an example key workout like this might be a long ride 45 hours with uh, probably five hours with five times 30 minutes at race pace with five minute recoveries and then a brick run at race pace following that and this is not a test in the sense that you should not race the workout but actually you should execute the workout and you should execute it in a way that you still feel like you're leaving quite a bit left in the tank and uh, considering contemplating carefully could i keep running after you finish the run which might be 45 minutes or something could i keep running and and go the entire marathon and if you do then that was a good test that your that your race power was pretty much spot on so so that's uh, that's basically my thoughts on the two tests and uh, the additional thoughts that i have around uh, establishing a race plan and race power target for for a race and for different distances the key workouts that i use are different but that was just one example that i uh, tend to use for the ironman that's it for today keep sending in all these great questions to michael at scientific and that's michael with a k Now the update around the new Ironman beginner plan and just uh, a couple of quick minutes to give you the uh, the brief summary of it. So the plan is 26 weeks long and the thinking here really is that uh, because it's directed to beginners and it's for the Ironman it's a long event so the idea here really is to build a very strong base over a long time. It's not as if you're not training like race specificity and long rides and that sort of thing from the very start of the plan, you're just laying the foundations there. Uh, so, and in terms of more practical logistical aspects, the plan is available either through training peaks or as a PDF version. But for both options, simply go to scientificdraftlon.com and click through to the plans page in the menu or directly to scientificdraftlon.com forward slash plans, and you will find the different options there. In terms of who the plan is for it's for athletes that are either beginners or planning to do their first Ironman or just generally you might have done a couple of Ironmans or many of them, but you are somebody who generally finishes more towards the back end of the field and you're also not training at too high of volume so maybe you're training between five to nine hours per week Uh, if you're training more than nine hours per week then this plan probably isn't for you because the volume will be lower than you're used to so so that wouldn't be good really Uh, so if you want to ask me whether it works for your specific circumstances please uh, just email me michael at scientificdrafton.com and uh, finally, as I mentioned at the beginning, since we are, we have some very uncertain times at the moment, we have uh, races that are canceled. We don't know whether the races that are still scheduled to go ahead will actually go ahead. Most of us have no swimming and so on. Uh, I decided that I will extend the launch period discount that I always do when I launch a new plan. Usually I do two weeks where the plan is available for 60% off to reward the early adopters of the plan but this time around these this launch period will actually last from the day of this recording which is the 7th of april all the way through the 31st of may 2020 Uh, so i hope that you can take advantage of that and hopefully still use this plan for some races later in the year and I should mention on that note, by the way, that even though the plan is 26 weeks long, let's say you have a race in October and you buy it uh, buy it in May, and you have less than 26 weeks to to train, you can just jump in to the plan for however many weeks you have left until the race. If you have been training consistently, that's not a problem at all. That's because the early part of the plan is all about just laying the foundations. So that's it for today. Big thanks as usual to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Get your free hydration plan and get 15% off your order of electrolyte products with the promo code one 15 And thank you to Roka, that you can find on roca.com Check out their wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, goggles, high performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses. And get 20% off with the discount code that you'll get on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you as always for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.